Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. I got myself caught up in something before we started today, so I, I apologize. Uh, I had to I had to make Craig wait just a few extra minutes because I'm trying to sort something out. I'm I'm in an annual like summer old man softball league. You playing any of these? <laughs> no, nah, man. I I'm I'm younger than you, but I I I think that I would injure myself, which you did a couple years ago. So I've hurt myself before. I've I've partially torn an Achilles. Uh, trying, trying to, to beat out a throw to first base and came up hobbling. And, uh, you know, I've had, I've had little bumps and bruises. I like it cause it keeps me just young enough. Right. Like we just had a guy, uh, you know, in my, in my parish here who like, he just passed away. Really nice guy. He was out on the mound pitching softball into his seventies. He took one year off from softball, dropped dead. Like in my mind, I got to keep playing. That's kind of how I see it. Like I got to keep going, <laughs> gotta keep right? moving. Right, exactly. So the problem is last year I had a miserable year because what happens is that they have a draft. And for years, it was like the old men were always playing, right? Like I was a young guy. When I was in my 30s, I was one of the young guys. Well, now I'm in my mid-40s, and there's guys that are playing that are in their early 20s. It used to be a 30 and over league, and somehow all these old guys wanted to play with their sons, and they started bending the rules to let in these really good athletes. And that's fine. I understand that I'm not up at the top anymore. I understand I'm a, a guy who basically stands at second base now, doesn't really roam the outfield because I don't have the speed. Used to be a third base, but there's a guy better than me that's over there. Sometimes I'm catching, but I play. I'm good defensively. I can hit. I'm a line drive hitter. I'm basically a singles hitter who every once in a while a guy will cheat in on and I can put it over his head. And then I'm, then I'm running and I'm off. And I've had a lot of young guys say, for my build and my age, I am a lot faster than they think that I am because I can really move on the base paths. And last year, I get put on a team that I've never been on before in the draft because guys like me who can fill little roles, we get drafted later on. And, we, and I don't care about that. I'm just out there to drink. It's a beer league softball league. And I get put on this team where this guy drafted me and then never wanted to use me. I spent the whole year riding a pine. I didn't even get an opportunity. I watched his friends who he clearly like had been like buddies with since they were in grammar school, go stand out at second base and be butchers and drop four balls in an inning. I couldn't get time on the field. I don't know why I was there. I quit basically halfway through the year. I said, this is just useless. I'm just going to sit on the bench and drink beer. I could do that anywhere. Right. (laughs) You got a bar in your basement. Exactly. I got too much to do for this if I'm not going to play. Right. I, I didn't stick around the drink after I would go hang out with a different team. That's how much I despise this team. It should have been obvious. I wanted nothing to do with this team. 
I get an email from the guy who runs the league that of 15 or 16 teams in the league, these guys took me again. This And I'm like, what? Like, you don't even want to play me? You took me? I had other people that wanted to get me, and you drafted me just... What? I think the guy hates me. I think the guy listens to one of my shows, and he's like, I hate that Chris Lanuti. I'm going to draft him on my team and sit him on the bench all year. F him. Like, that's how it feels. And so I just literally just wrote off an email like, I'd rather not even play this year. Like, like trade me. It was like that, it was like that scene in Slapshot. Trade me right bleeping now. That's what I just did. Like, I... <laughs> Otherwise, I'm out. That's what I did. I'm like a prima donna at 46 who basically plays second base and hits in the bottom half of the lineup. And I'm like, no, I'm not even I'm not even taking the field for this guy. Yeah. So that's what I was doing. I got myself fired up over my my summer softball plans and I'm holding out. I'm a holdout in in men's uh, beer league softball. You're like if, if pirates. If you're going to bring me up. You gotta, right. you gotta at least play me every once in a while. You can't just, you can't just sit Chris on the bench. You can't, you can't, no, I'm not. you can't Cal Mitchell or, you know, Kanan Smith and Jigba me, bring me up just to, just to sit on the bench. You gotta actually play me. Look, I'm not even looking to start. I like to get two innings in. Like when you're in Little League, you get two innings and an at bat, right? That was like the minute. I just want two innings. Let me go out there when you're losing by 10. What can I do to lose the game? That was the other thing. The team sucked. And yet I still wasn't good enough to go out there because I wasn't like part of like the, the group that goes and hangs out in this guy's garage all the time. And I'm like, I don't want to play for this team. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a holdout. If you're going to bring me on, you got to let me play, you know, stop yelling from the bench. Do I need a runner? I'm faster than half of your, the guys on the team. Like, it, like to me, it was like, it, it was like one of those things where I just sat there one day and I said, that's it. I'm never playing for these guys again. And I figured when the season was over, they would never want the guy who didn't show up anymore. But no, they drafted me again. So yeah, I feel I feel like a Pirates prospect who needs an opportunity and isn't getting one. Although they are getting opportunities now. We got Nick Gonzalez up. Henry Davis looks legit. I mean, there are guys getting opportunities. And as you're slipping down in the standings a little bit, I don't want you dropping to the bottom. I want you to stay close to 500. I want to see some wins here. But I also like the fact we're seeing some of the young guys. Yeah, and you kind of have to figure out what you have. And and in Henry Davis, I, I mean, we said before he was called up that it was he's getting called up for the bat. Not even really caring, you know, where he's playing at this point in time. A guy that we keep on bringing up, uh, and MJ Melendez, Chris. This is a guy we've brought up from the Kansas City Royals, brought up as a catcher, put in the outfield because there was an article put out, and I can't remember who it was put out by, uh, but it was for one of the major papers. Uh, what's his name? Dan Zamborski from Fangraphs kind of like contributed to the article. Just, you know, his information on he's he's a guy that does like projections he does like i think it's like the zips projections or whatever and tries to project it but he's like real good with numbers and he was kind of saying you know if you put henry davis behind the plate he would have to have i don't know if he kept like an 820 ops and he uh to get down to you know austin hedges level of production like as far as fangraphs war he would have to be like near like a negative 20 uh, defensive run saved. So I just, out of curiosity, I looked up what MJ Melendez's uh, defensive run saved was last year. Negative 18. Yeah. Listen, and it isn't even just MJ Melendez. This whole theory of get a catcher used to the hitting portion before you make him a catcher. 
and working him along slowly to get behind the plate, William Contreras with the Braves was treated that way. And then he started to be able to get behind the plate more. And now he's the starting everyday catcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. These, this is how prospects are being brought up in this day and age. You know, there are people out there looking for clicks and only want to service anger. Anger is the easiest thing. You can fake anger. You can get angry about anything in the hopes that you'll get people fired up and you sound really smart because you're the guy who's being angry. But let me tell you something right now. You're barking up the wrong tree on the idea that Henry Davis can't be brought along as a prospect and eventually be your everyday catcher with this path. And if it doesn't work out for him, he'll he'll most likely have a better chance of sticking in the majors and being a major contributor for, for you because you figured out that he could hit and you could find a place for him because guess what? That's what happened to Bryce Harper. Yeah. And we always that's, talk that's what about he was. It's always been that the bat plays Chris, and that's, what's going to get you to the majors. I mean, there's only so many guys that are like defensive marvels and good hitters. I mean, there are guys that stick in the major leagues who are, you know, just defensive first defensive replacements. I mean, they'll eventually find their niche, but I would much rather have a guy who's come up here and has been a little bit of a spark plug in an otherwise... And you needed that. You needed that with Reynolds down. Yeah, desolate okay. offense. I mean, and I'm hoping that Nick Gonzalez starts to come around. They basically waited with Nick Gonzalez for him to get his strikeout rate below 30% because it wasn't very good. But more than that, Chris, I mean, you're bringing him up now because no matter what, you had to make a decision going into, I guess it would be November, into December for the Rule 5 draft, whether or not this guy was going to legitimately be a part of, you know, the future for you. I mean, he could still, you know, have not a great season. He might still end up being protected anyway. I mean, we've seen Leo Pagero down in the minors. This is the second year he was, you know, kept on the 40 man. I'd like to see him at some point in time. And you just added Jared Triolo, you know, to the 40 man this past off season. I'd like to see that. Because you're trying to make these decisions. I mean, I, people are trying to, like we talked about last week, make these decisions like quick, like on a whim. I mean, Marcano's struggling right now. Bay's struggling right now. You have, you know, Castro struggling right now. So why not bring up Nick Gonzalez? See, see if he can, you know, catch on a little bit. See what you have with him. Triolo, see what you have with him. Pagaro, see what you have with him. I mean, obviously, I would still like to see them stop this losing skid. I think it's 12 out of 13 as we record this right now. Yes, obviously. I mean, we said this year you wanted to, you know, kind of learn how to win. Well, they learned how to win. Now they're learning how to lose. And they really need to start to learn how to win again. Like you mentioned there, Chris, you know, Brian Reynolds being out is is a huge hit. I mean, we're lucky that Andrew McCutcheon is having the type of year that he's having because he's really been the only consistent player. But I still keep on going back to like how young these players are and that you want to see them get this run because the last thing you want to do is have an uneducated decision and decide to keep a guy, let another guy go and let somebody else flourish you know, somewhere else. Because as much as everybody hates Bob Nutting, one of the things that he said when he brought in Ben Sherrington is he was tired of seeing other teams get our players and get the most out of them 
before they, you know, they left. I mean, that became a pattern. I mean, that's going to happen from time to time, but you have to, you have to kind of like make that like the, the, the exception to the rule. You want, you know, the guy that goes elsewhere and plays, it'd be like, oh, you know what? He's playing pretty well out there, but we kept these guys and they're playing good as well. We kind of have to figure that out. It definitely hasn't been the pitching, but, but even at that, it has been kind of inconsistent, but you're getting to see like Osvaldo Beto that you maybe wouldn't have seen what you had from him. He's been pretty good up here. I mean, at best, he's a, you know, maybe a five in the rotation at worst. He's a bullpen piece. I mean, possibly at worst, he's, you know, DFA next year, but you know, at this point, but it's important. It's important to, to learn what you have, but there's also something else to this. There's also something else that I said I don't think everybody's picking up because it's hard uh, to, to see the big picture sometimes. This is not about who are your nine position players. This is not about who are the 26 on the roster, likely 13 of them being position players. It's not about that. It's about sustained depth in case you take injuries. You have Brian Reynolds down right now and O'Neill Cruz. These are two major pieces to your starting everyday lineup if everything goes right. And you're going to suffer injuries every year. Every year the Pittsburgh Pirates take the field, they will have guys who are part of their core go down for a long period of time because it happens to every team in Major League Baseball. Look at the Rangers, Jacob DeGrom, a lot of money, didn't work out. Have they been able to survive? Yeah, they had enough pitching depth that Dane Dunning was able to come up and he's actually performed really well because they made sure they had depth. Look at the fact that four out of five of the opening day starters for the Tampa Bay Rays have been injured for a long amount of time during this season. And look at their record. There's depth to what they have and there's depth at different positions. And so it's important to find out what you have. It's important to figure out whether or not these prospects can play, but it's also important to understand that the build is not over yet because you haven't established enough depth that you can survive a couple of key injuries. The best teams survive the key injuries because everybody takes a key injury or two during the year. And this, this little slide here is a great representation of what could happen down the line when you really are in competition for a division, when you are further along in the year and you find yourself up there at the top of the division or they're talking about what you could possibly do in the postseason and you suffer an injury, this little picture of seeing Cruz out basically for the year and seeing Reynolds out at this moment and seeing what happens when a guy gets injured, that, that little impact that it makes to your team where you're getting more losses than wins all of a sudden. That, that, is, that is something that will happen to you later on if you don't continue to build that depth. And the way you build that depth is, one, there's still more development going on here. There's still more that has to happen. That's why we were saying you don't push all your chips in on 2023. It would have been stupid because you don't have any kind of safety net with any kind of depth. But also, you're going to go and try out some of these guys. You're going to see what Nick Gonzalez is. Because we said it on the last show, not every prospect hits and development isn't linear. And if you've got your top 10 prospect list right now, however you rank them, your top 10 prospects that are sitting there in the pirate system, three of them, three of them making it through and being everyday contributors on this team is basically average across Major League Baseball. Okay, so you got to find out who's good, who isn't good. 
Yeah, and it's definitely something that, you know, we're going to find out. I'd like to see each of these guys get a decent run. I mean, I don't know how many. I know Ben Charrington always says, like, around, like, 200 plate appearances. So that's why, like, when I go to the stat thing, I look to see, you know, where guys are close to that. And if you notice that a guy is being moved up and then moved back down fairly quickly, it's just that they need to fill a spot at that point in time. I don't know if they see them as part of a long-term plan. you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Zs, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. Probably, Chris, the worst part about all of this is the awful trade rumors that will now come. Like, I, I can't wait until August 1st. That's the trade deadline this year, I believe. I can't wait till August 1st. I mean, I can wait because I think I have another vacation built in there at some point in time. I want to enjoy that vacation. But when August 1st comes, I'll be very, very happy because, I mean, it's been addressed, but I feel like we need to address it as well. It came out and it was put out. I was I think it was put out by Fox Sports that the Texas Rangers were interested in Andrew McCutcheon. Now, what happens after that is that the general manager of the Texas Rangers goes on to a, you know, a radio station, whoever their local, you know, 93.7 the fan is, and just basically doesn't mention Andrew McCutcheon's name, but is, is saying, like, we haven't even talked to that team. And, and they here's the thing is, my other part of that is, why wouldn't teams have interest in him? He's having one of the best, you know, seasons of his career. Ultimately, it's going to be up to, I believe, the Pirates and, and Andrew McCutcheon as to whether or not this would be an option. This is something we mentioned with when Rob Beertemple, formerly of The Athletic, he was part of that fallout as well, like Rob a lot. But Rob was on our show a long time ago and just basically said, if Andrew McCutcheon's having a really good year and you could let him go be a part of a team that could possibly win a World Series, and what's to say he doesn't come back again? Like, would you hold that away from him. I mean, I know you want to see him have all these records, but why does everybody play a game? I mean, Chris plays softball to get on the field, but Andrew (laughs) McCutcheon, I'm pretty sure, plays Major League Baseball to win a World Series. Right, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to read off some names for you. G-Man Choi, Rich Hill, Carlos Santana, Andrew McCutcheon, Austin Hedges, Vince Velasquez. All these guys are free agents after this year is over. All these guys go back into the into the market. Uh, which one is the think? Which one do you think is more valuable 
if you were to go out and try to pick up something that would make your team better or give you a shot at a prospect down the line, which one do you think is the most valuable out of that group? It's Andrew McCutcheon, right? It is. Like he, he's, he's the most valuable thing that's sitting in there. And then you could make, you could make an argument with Rich Hill. You could sit there and say some team may be interested in getting a little bit extra pitching. I don't think you're going to get a lot for him based upon what's going to be available out there. There's some pretty good pitchers that teams don't think they can hold on to or that are, are already saying, I'm going into free agency next year no matter what, that if, if they're out of it, they may move on from. There might be some better talent out there for teams that are looking for starting pitching. But those are the two names I would circle right away and say, okay, these are, these are two, two guys that you might be able to get something for. Now, I understand Pirates fans saying, this is Kutch, this is our guy. I understand if Kutch is like, I don't want to leave Pittsburgh. He's perfectly happy here. If he doesn't want to leave Pittsburgh, and, and, and the Pirates made him a promise, when they signed him, like, hey, we want you here and you're going to be here the whole year no matter what, then he, he I think they should keep that at promise. I don't know if they made it, and I think they will keep that at promise, and I think I think Kutch will want to stay. If he looks around, though, and says, if they come to him, like, let's say somebody comes to him and they go, hey, you know, we told you we weren't going to move you, but, you know, you want to you wanna go play for the, uh, you know, the, who's, who's up there right now? You want to go play for the Dodgers? You want to go play for one of the, want to go play for one of these teams that's, like, right on the cusp? You want to go play for a team that's got a real chance and they're going to play it every day. And they've got like, they, they've already reached out and they're like, yeah, we're going to need them out there. We've just suffered an injury. We've got this. We've got that. Do you want to go play for them and have a chance to win a title? He may sit there and say, you know, I said I would stick around, but if you guys can move me. Yeah, I'll go do that. That'll be a fun for a couple of months. Let's let, you know, I'm at the end of my career. He may decide he wants to do that. To me, I think it's funny that the Rangers are like, we never even contacted them because that tells you the current state of people who cover sports media. It's all about clicks, man. It's all about conjecture. It's all about just making up whatever's there and throwing it at the wall just so that you start listening to them instead of listening to somebody else. So you read their article instead of reading somebody else's. That's ridiculous because I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't think Andrew McCutcheon's people are putting it out there. I'd be shocked about that based upon the entire circumstance of why he's here playing for the Pirates. He didn't come to the Pirates because he thought they were going to win a World Series this year. He didn't come to the Pirates because he figured, I'm going back to Pittsburgh and we're going to take it all with this roster. No, he did not come here for that, right? So I can't imagine that they're like, get me out. Trade me right now. They're not pulling a, they're not pulling a Chris Lanuti in his 16-inch softball league. They're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I, so I don't think it's coming from them. And I don't think that the, the Rangers, like, it, they could have very easily said, yeah, we inquired about him. They're not, they're not causing any trouble by saying they inquired about him. So it's interesting to me when you hear the Rangers say that they didn't talk. It, it really makes me think in this situation only that that was some pie in the sky. Just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks because you got to write something kind of thing or you got to say something kind of thing. You know, I'm not surprised that teams may be interested in him. And if he wants to go and they get the right piece, what's wrong with letting him go do it? Okay, I just don't know how feasible it is or how plausible it is because he didn't come here because he thought the Pirates were going to win a championship this year. I felt like that Andrew McCutcheon wanted to come here because he wanted to end his career here, whether it be this year or next, get some of his milestones, have some good feelings and maybe, you know, be a little bit of a veteran presence and help these guys moving towards you know, being a better team, which is, I mean, all you could really ask of Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, what he's doing on the field is beyond what I expected. And that's a positive thing, but 
you know, him sitting there talking to Brian Reynolds and saying, you know, this is when I was the face of the team, this is what it was like for me. Like he has some real world experience as to what it was like in a Pirates uniform when this team was horrible and then, you know, somehow became good. I mean, yeah, I, I see that there's going to be some trades out there. I would still leave it up to Andrew. Rich Hill, I mean, like you said, I don't think he's going to get much because, I mean, look at the number of innings he's pitched already this year. The number of times he's gone over 100 pitches, you know, in a game, which is not something he's done on the regular. I mean, I got to commend Rich Hill. I mean, I'm, I'm actually, I think he's the only player on the team that is around my age. So, I mean, I got to commend him for what he's doing, but I don't, I mean, a team could say, you know what, if we need a guy that could, you know, it's not going to be like a, you know, through the rotation, like every five, but towards the end of the year, if we want to get a guy rested up for the playoffs or something, he could be our sixth man or, you know, something in an emergency. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, Andrew's the number one thing, but something else, Chris, that Ben Charrington said over this weekend, and it, it rung true to me again, just because. It's something we had talked about again, which basically proves that, I mean, Ben Sherrington is listening to Bucks in the Basement, and we already knew this, but he mentioned during his weekly radio show, he mentioned what the Baltimore Orioles did last year in trading major league players still, which a lot of people are taking it as, you know, we're preparing, you know, for, since we're having a downturn. I mean, we already knew major league players were going to be traded. Right. But to me... Chris, I looked back at, you know, what the Orioles did once again. And I know, and this is, this is me because, and everybody could say, you know, I'm looking for clicks. I'm not because this assumption, something I mentioned before the last trade deadline, something I mentioned during the off season, I feel like the biggest trade piece we have in our back pocket at this point in time is David Bednar. Oh my goodness. You, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at him as I'm going through what everybody has on this team and what's available. And I'm trying to figure out, well, how do I say this without people getting upset about it? Look, on one hand, there's part of me that says it's a crazy idea. Okay. You still got control of them for three more years. And you know, there, there have been some really great closers. I, I mean, I'm thinking about Mariano Rivera, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say that he, I want to say that he was basically on a bad Yankees team for a couple of years there and they kept him around and, you know, look at what he was to them to have a closer. But there's also an awful lot of instances of guys that like are really good for a couple of years and eventually they just, you know, closers going for 10 years at a high level is not a normal thing in baseball. Now, the, the Pirates have either struck gold and in that case you hold on to him because you're going to get his, you're going to get great use out of him closing games when you're you're competitive because like I said three more years after this you got him arbitration eligible you can hold on to him and so I think for that reason you probably don't deal him but wouldn't it be interesting if a team that said we're this close here are a couple of very close to major league ready players at positions that you need you know or let's say it's somebody and and I don't know what their closer situation is out there but I think they just changed their closer out in, in Arizona and they've got a lot of starting pitchers that are like right there. They've either started in the majors and had a little bit of success and gone down the AAA, or they're right on the cusp of it. They have a they have a lot of young starting pitching. And imagine if they sat there and said, "We want David Bednar because we want to go win." But here's here's a guy that you know we've seen success 
You know, we've, we've seen somebody who's right there. He's got all the right qualities. And we've talked about how important it is to find that starting rotation. You know, I think it would have to be the right deal. I think it would make people's heads explode. I think they would be like, why? Because now you're going to have to find a closer one day. But I also feel like it's a lot easier to find that guy that finishes off a game than to find those five guys who have to be your core and your starting pitchers if you're going to be a successful team all the time. So it would depend on what was offered. I don't think I'd give away Bednar for, like, prospect who's in double A. You know, I don't care. I, I, I think I would want something that I knew had developed enough that this person was going to be a part of the 2024 Pittsburgh Pirates, and it wasn't a question. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that you have to trade him, but if I'm thinking, like, if you – are still building and you're still trying to build depth and you're still trying to fill more holes than maybe, I don't know. I think maybe more than we thought at this point in time. I mean, I don't know what Ben Charrington's thought process was, but you don't have like a ton of answers moving forward. You don't have maybe as much depth as you thought, like you said before, Chris, to like kind of accept these injuries And like I said, I just look at, you know, who are like the, you said the most, like, I don't know, if it's fickle or finicky, like closers and and relievers just don't stay good, you know, from, from year to year, or I, I guess it would be like a bunch of years in a row. But I mean, I don't know to, to me. And what I looked at was, was David Bednar's year last year. And we look at whip all the time, Chris. And I looked at like April and March last year, his whip was below one, you know, a 0.931 in May, a 0.7 in June, a point one, a 1.5 in July, a 1.313. And then in September, a a 1.6. And he's trending in that direction again this year. You're sa- you're saying that David Bednar generally, as the year goes on, tuckers out and puts more guys on base. Yeah, and he's gotten That's back what you're injury. And before and before we continue this conversation, I'm a little off on the Mariano Rivera. He only was on the team for a year leading into their first World Series championship. He was terrible then. Okay, so I kept thinking of the 97, 98, 99 years, and that he had been on the team starting in 1995. Okay, so I can't again. It's it's hard to find like teams that had like a great closer that they just held on to for a long time before they actually started going out winning championships that kind of toiled on a bad team and then continued to be good when that team got hot. So I, I but I, I screwed up on that, but you know what? You're, you're, you're absolutely right. If, if you see some kind of a trend then, and you're able to jump on the trend, my thing is you don't give him away for nothing. He's got to yeah. be, He's a great trade piece, but you don't you don't give him away for nothing. You gotta like I said, I would go and I would I would go find like some piece of that rotation next year. I would go find an answer to one of your questions. You don't create another question because you're gonna create the question of who's our closer now, right? So if you're gonna create that question, answer another question. Because I, I because I think it's easier to fill the back end guy in major league baseball. Then if you have good scouting and you're able to identify players and there's plenty of relief pitchers that can probably do it that are blocked by somebody else. And you may have somebody in your system that says that you say, I think this kid's got nerves of steel. That might be easier to find than having consistent starters one through five or, you know, fixing another issue 
that you know you don't have the depth down in the minor leagues. Like, you really don't have a lot of depth at the first base position, which is kind of crazy. You really don't have, like, that big thumper or something like that. I don't know what you're going to identify, and I don't know what people are going to give you for David Bednar, but you're right. If somebody came along and gave you something that said, hey, we're going for a World Series this year, and we need that, then I wouldn't be taking three prospects that are sitting on a list somewhere. I'd be taking something that answers a question for you. Yeah, and just look at David Bednar this year. I mean, his his whip was... uh... 0.692 0.692 in April and March. In May, it was 0.750. And June, so far, it is a 1.333. So, I mean, right. I'm just wondering if it's, if it trends in that direction again. And going back to the Orioles, just, just for one more second, is one of the players, they traded uh, their all-star closer, Lopez, Last year, and they got a guy. Who, they got a good player out of that. Yeah, didn't they, they got they got they get? got four pitchers out of that, and who they and get? right now they got Cano, who's their pitcher, who's got a two point four WAR for them this year, right, and is See? basically a closer, right. And I guarantee the same discussions were going on with those that cover the Orioles. Like, wait a minute, I thought we're a team that's on the up. I thought we're a team that's going to compete. Why are we getting rid of our closer? But look what they went and they did. They they sat there and said, we can find that answer a lot easier than we can find that starting pitcher. The, you know, the best closers in the business don't make anything near what the best starting pitchers in the business make. From a, from a money standpoint, from what it costs you, if you think you can identify pitching that's going to go out there and actually start games, go deep into games, and and, and fill one of those holes that you have, then of course, but again, he's worth it now because he's got three years of arbitration and you have to search for the kinks in his armor. Although, as you said, there are some kinks. So it'll be interesting watching. Everybody's looking at McCutcheon. Watch David Bednar. Yeah, and and I know it'll hurt people. I know he's got a bobblehead this year. I know he's a yinzer. And I would love for that guy to sit here and pound icy lights for the rest of his career and do well. Right, right. But to me... We've said before, Chris, we look for the name on the front of the jersey moving forward. I'm too old to cheer for kids and young kids that are younger than me. Like, I want them all to succeed. But in the end, I want my team to win. That's right. That's all you want. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say.